Today's episode is sponsored by Surfer SEO. Trusted by brands like Square and Intuit, Surfer SEO is a tool designed to help SEO optimize your written content, like blog posts and articles on your website. Instead of guessing what Google likes to rank, this tool offers you a data-driven analysis of exactly what's missing from your already existing content. Surfer SEO is constantly checking thousands of data points, analyzing its findings, and prioritizing that information so that you have the best chance of ranking your articles on Google. Surfer SEO also comes jam-packed with AI technology. Their powerful Surfer AI tool allows you to streamline content creation by taking care of research, writing, and optimization, saving you countless working hours each week. Once the AI is done writing the article, you get to go in and make all the edits you want to bring that extra special magic only you can do. Don't leave your SEO strategy up to chance. Surfer will give you an SEO workflow to boost your organic traffic, increase your visibility, and improve your rank. Visit callenbrecken.com forward slash Surfer SEO for more details or just click the link in the show notes. Now, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Business Gay Podcast, where we talk about all things business, marketing, and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Callum Brecken, and on today's episode, I have the founder and CEO of Explorer Cold Brew, Kaysen Crane. Ooh, a bit of a tongue twister, because that is explorer, not explore. An adventure seeker and risk taker, Kaysen has traveled to over 100 countries on all seven continents. Damn, he has beat me. I've only done, I've done 80 countries and all continents except for Antarctica and over 200 cities. So that's awesome. Anyways, continuing on, he was the first openly LGBTQ person and the fifth youngest person to climb Mount Everest and the Seven Summits. And for those of you who don't know, the Seven Summits is a collection of the highest mountains on each continent, a feat he achieved while raising money and awareness for LGBTQ plus suicide prevention. It was on these adventures that he discovered the magic of coffee and was driven to introduce some of the world's best cold brew coffees to the masses through Explorer Cold Brew. Kaysen is always looking for new products and spends his time perfecting Explorer's brews so that they represent the world's best cold brew coffee. I am so excited to dive into this conversation with Kaysen because I want to talk about all things being LGBTQ and a founder of an awesome brand. So with that, let's jump in. All right, welcome to the show, Kaysen. I'm so excited to have you. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Callan. I'm I'm pumped to be here and to chat today. Right. Well, it's really magical when you find a unicorn and out in the wild who is proudly out LGBTQ and an amazing founder. So you know we Thank gotta you. we gotta toot the horn. So with that, let's just jump right in because I'm so curious about this whole journey because you've been to so many places, done so many things. <laughs> Um, what inspired you to dive into the world of cold brew coffee? And like, were there any like memorable aha moments that actually like led to the creation of Explorer Cold Brew? So there actually was a very clear aha moment. And I feel like there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there who don't have the luxury of having that like actual light bulb moment. It, I certainly wasn't expecting it, but it, it really did happen for me. It was 2020, early days of the pandemic. And I was staying up all night, every night, not because of some health condition or that, or, you know, one thing or another, but because I was insisting on having my afternoon cold brew later and later and later in the day. Because like back then, you know, I was, I live in Brooklyn with my husband and what else were you going to do? Like we couldn't even leave our apartment really. So coffee was this source of joy and this treat to myself. Uh, but eventually my husband begged me, he's like, Kason, I cannot sleep when you are rolling around all night with your insomnia, please switch to decaf. And so I searched for decaf cold brew on Amazon. This is exactly what happened. Search for decaf cold and nothing came up. I mean, other cold brews came up, but none of them were decaf. It was just like the regular cold brew. And I was like, wait, 10% of coffee cups consumed are decaf. I know that most people drink cold brew to get the caffeine, but there's people out there who just like the smoothness, the low acidity, et cetera, but who can't handle the caffeine. Surely there should be a product for them. And there wasn't. And that was the moment I thought I, I need this product and I need to bring it, it, I need to bring it into the world, but I didn't just want decaf. I wanted to be able to pick my caffeine level because sometimes like a Friday, 
Friday night, my friends are like, Kason, let's go out dancing. I'm like, I have been working since 6 a.m. I do not have the energy. Well, now I do because I drink my extra caffeinated cold brew. Uh, but then sometimes I, I need a lower calf or a decaf and, and we offer four different caffeine levels. So that was that was the aha moment. That blows my mind that there wasn't a decaf cold brew. Like I just assumed with all the gays running around every single city in the world that like there had to at least be one decaf option out there. I, I'm sure that there's the occasional coffee shop that will brew a decaf. Uh, but I mean, honestly, I think I've seen it in like one or two coffee shops. In, and I've gone to a lot of coffee shops around the world. Um, I think I've only seen it once or twice. The reality is coffee is a huge industry. I mean, coffee in the United States is a $90 billion market. And the reality is 10% of the cups consumed are decaf, according to market research studies, but not 10% of that financial market because they tend to be much lower quality and lower priced uh, options, the decaf options. That's and wild. so- yeah. And so you've got, you know, cold brew, especially, let's just think about that. Really, cold brew has only been a phenomenon in the United States since about two, 2015. Uh, Starbucks, for example, only finished rolling out cold brew to all of its stores in 2018. It was really not that long ago. And so when you think about the now the proliferation of cold brew companies and options out there, it makes sense that almost all of them, really everyone except us, would be focused on the 90% of cups that are caffeinated and not on the 10% of the uh, of the cups that are decaf. But there's definitely an opportunity there. And, you know, it might not be the gays with our fast walks, you know, always running on high caffeine maybe. But, you know, at Explorer, one of our biggest customer and most passionate customer segments are our pregnant moms. Because oh, yeah. when you're pregnant, you your doctor will tell you invariably you need to cut out or at least cut down your caffeine consumption. And there's a lot of millennial moms out there who are fully addicted to cold brew, the smoothness, the low acidity. They love their cold brew iced coffee. And they don't want to have to give up their daily cold brew ritual. Uh, and we are, we are the solution to that problem. Oh, so yeah. those are some of our most passionate customers. We love our moms. Yeah, you are a dealer to those moms <laughs> who need their like uh, cold brew crack. Like, <laughs> it is oh yeah, and I I always joke that like we should set like a nine month timer from the first decaf order because invariably you see this trend where you know I, this is more anecdotal, but we've got our decaf our moms who are drinking decaf, and then all of a sudden. They have their beautiful baby and they're switching to the the Maverick, which is our extra caffeinated cold brew because they need all the caffeine they can get. So you see this transition and, and we're, we're that one-stop shop where you can get any caffeine level of your choosing. Oh, that's too funny. And yeah, because now they're going to be staying up for basically the rest of their life taking care of that <laughs> taking care of that child that's a that's wild I you know thinking back my first my very first you know kind of growing up job was Starbucks barista naturally as a gay um and it was like 2006 2007 and we had cold brew but it was like we just brewed regular coffee and then we stuck it in the fridge and I think we put mm. like one or two in there and like we rarely Rarely. I remember there was one guy specifically who would get it and he would just get like cold milk in it, like ready to go. But like it wasn't an option that most people got. Most people would get like an iced caramel macchiato or an ice like one of the fancy yeah. drinks, but not just like a straight up iced cold brew drink. So that's really fascinating how culturally things have changed. Do you think the gays have been a proponent of that? Oh, definitely. I, I mean, you just have to look on social media to see all the memes to know that uh the you know the the queer community drinking uh cold brew all year round regard you know there's like those memes of the the gays and the freezing cold temperatures with their cold brew in hand uh it's great and i think as a as a queer owned and operated business it's fitting it's it's not why i started the business but it is fitting i mean i am also my number one customer so i i fit i fit the uh stereotype but it's also i mean i think We've had a lot of success, especially this fall, partnering with queer artists uh, with the brand. We partnered with Troy Sivan on his Got Me Started music video, uh, which was really amazing. Matt Rogers, if you saw his 
uh, his new Christmas uh, song video. It's really, really funny. I Wait, are you? In, is it in that video? I need to pay attention. Yeah, it's in there. Yes. Oh my god, hilarious! Yes, I have yeah. laughed. I have laughed at that Christmas. I was like, this is the outrageousness I need right now. Exactly, and it's a great song too. Um, Catch and you. we were just this past weekend uh, supporting Orville Peck's uh, Pioneer Town Rodeo, his fifth annual rodeo. Um, so we're seeing a lot of interest and in, and really sort of mutually uh, beneficial collaborations with uh, queer queer artists, other queer businesses, et cetera. And I love that. I wish there was more of that. I mean, what I don't know what your what has been your experience and uh, what's your perspective on collaboration or lack thereof amongst queer owned businesses I, you know what actually there's a lot but it's kind of quiet I don't know like like you're an NGLCC certified business uh which is the national, yeah national LGBTQ chamber of commerce in the U.S. in Canada we have the CGLCC the Canadian LGBTQ chamber of commerce um and I've gone to the event they just did in Denver this past summer and there was about 1500 people in the room and it was it was amazing. It was great to be like, oh, all these amazing like LGBTQ people in business. But a lot of them were corporate or worked in the corporates and not a lot of them were entrepreneurs. Most of them were corporates and like, we're here to support you and help you. But at the end of the day, still serve their corporate. And there was less actual entrepreneurs. And I feel like that's just because we've had less uh, ways to get into the game. Like, unless you're cis, white, straight passing, which both of us technically, I would say are, um, but like, Definitely. for the most part, there's a lot of other people who don't fit into that category. Well, they're going to have so many marks against them to get into those doors, to get in with VCs, to get into all these spaces in order to kind of create what they want to create. Plus, they're already going to have that weight on the back of their shoulders. So a lot of them just go, well, I'll just do it myself. And then they fall into that like 90% of startups and businesses crash and fail because they already have less than. Uh, the Canadian government actually just invested $25 million into the NGLCC to, or into the CGLCC to foster LGBT or 2S LGBTQI entrepreneurship in Canada because they see how much we actually contribute to the economy. We employ over five. 100,000 people in Canada, we bring in over $22 wow. billion dollars in economic growth. And so they've realized that like, oh, these people are movers and shakers. And we do tend to kind of rah-rah ourselves and be like, fuck it, I'm going to like make this happen because we've not been able to depend on other people. But what's yeah. your experience been in partnering? Because I will say, one of the things you do have is beautiful bottles. And I know that artists and people like that they will they will if it is a beautiful product that they also get to use yes well and uh yeah i'm very proud of our now award-winning branding we just won a bronze pent awards prize at the it's like the most prestigious global branding uh competition just this past friday so that's very exciting um i have some hardware now on the on the shelf which i'm very proud of uh, i do i love the look and feel of our product it's top shelf cold brew um Excuse me. But to answer your question, I think, uh, you know, I, I mentioned, obviously, some of our recent collaborations and partnerships with uh, queer influencers and artists and comedians. I think so. One thing I'd love to see more from our community is more interest in buying from queer owned brands. I think it's something that uh, I, I think we have a lot to learn from and can be inspired by, um, you know, other, other groups, whether it's, you know, women-owned businesses, Black-owned businesses, et cetera. Like, I think there's a really amazing uh, atmosphere of support just from consumers within, within and even outside of the community to, to buy from those, uh, from those businesses. And I don't feel that as much, like, I, I don't, and maybe this is anecdotal, but I, I definitely... I don't feel like anyone is buying from Explorer because we're a queer-owned brand. Um, now, thankfully, like there's a lot of other reasons to buy our products, whether you know primarily the taste. If you if you know in our customer surveys, the the taste is the number one reason why people buy and continue to buy our products, and that's that's actually an amazing it's an amazing thing. Um, but I do think there's 
I don't know if it, just from general consumers, there's as much of that sort of solidarity, I guess. Um, that said, there are some exceptions. The rule, my friend Spencer started a brand called Gay Water, which has uh, been sort of really resonated with our community and um, and more broadly, I think it's a really fun, it's like a, a spiked seltzer uh, and good weird, another <laughs> queer owned <laughs> beauty brand. That is gay water. Uh, isn't that like, isn't it gay water? Like a, a vodka soda. Isn't that technically what it yeah, is? Yeah. That's basically, and that, it, it's like, it's brilliant, brilliant branding. I'm really proud of, I mean, he it just launched. So shout out to him and to um, his early success. It's really awesome. But I, I think like broadly to go back to your question, entre queer entrepreneurs I think they sense uh, whether it's explicit or more of a gut feel that overtly positioning their brand to be a queer, a visibly and vocally queer brand doesn't necessarily benefit them. And here's what I mean by that. Unless you're like, like doing gay water or, you know, good weird is like, it, it's a beauty brand and it, it's really directly appealing to the queer uh consumer but for the majority of brands like i that i think that you know you're there's this wariness of being too niche and ultimately i don't believe that a woman-owned brand would get this well and maybe i'm wrong actually but i don't think that a woman-owned brand or a black-owned brand would get the types of emails that i have occasionally gotten when we have promoted our queerness and our queer giving back, you know, we give back to queer organizations like the Trevor Project every year. And I will get emails saying, this is disgusting. I didn't realize that it was this type of thing. I will never buy from you again. I can't imagine. And again, I, I hope that this is, I hope that women-owned businesses, black-owned businesses that are, don't get those emails. It's definitely possible that they do. Uh, and very sad if they do. Um, but I do think there's a, there's a reason that there's a, a wariness uh, to be overtly, uh, an, a, you know, a queer business. Oh, big time. There was, uh, during the NGLCC conference, there was a talk, a whole talk about this, about how a large portion of people prefer to stay in the closet or just don't voice, you know, their you know, community ties, because they think it's going to be a hindrance to them growing and moving into their business. And I mean, it's kind of one of these chicken and the egg, you know, more of us need to stand out for it to become more normalized and people to get used to it. And you know, all that kind of stuff, but then you're going to lose out. So it's like, who are the brave ones who are going to stand up and do it first? And that I think that's what it really comes down to is that we're at a point where it's starting. We have queer artists. I remember when that started happening, because I'm in the era when that we had like what Ellen DeGeneres, maybe Rosie <laughs> O'Donnell, <laughs> like there wasn't yeah, any Rosie, yeah, Rosie, boy um, George, I'm boy a big George. boy George yeah. fan. Um, but there wasn't like a lot of like really artist artists like young fun doing things and now there's a lot coming up and so I think that that trend is continuing and I think that that's going to spill over into branding and with brands but I think that a lot of us in business we have to step up because there are a lot of very powerful people who are LGBTQ in the community who are in very powerful positions but at those corporations they also have to answer to other people who aren't so it's like yeah. when do they stick out their neck when do they not stick out their neck but the more of us in our branding like this is the business gay podcast like i specifically called it that on purpose because i wanted to give visibility to this community in regard to business because there's nobody else up on the charts who is actively showing and shouting hey we're here we're queer and we're also doing business with or without you um yeah. and we're making it big so i think it's really important that we do have that um and businesses like yours that are kind of saying hey let's partner with these artists um how have those partnerships turned out for you like the experience overall with them been Oh, I mean, the experience with our, like, especially our recent partnerships, the ones I mentioned, have been very positive. And I'm, I'm hoping to continue to develop those partnerships even further in ways that, you know, are still in the works. Um, but I, I, I yeah, I, I think they've gone great. And I'm hoping that, you know, as you've mentioned, like, you know, there wasn't a, like a choice of on 10 years ago, wouldn't, you know, or 20 years ago, 10 years ago, wouldn't really have been able to be out. I mean, we still in Hollywood have actors who are out in maybe their personal life, but not out professionally or publicly. And that's, I mean, that's sad. 
hopefully that'll change. I mean, we that that said, like there there are more out stars now, so hopefully we're heading in the right direction. But I think like the, it doesn't take a queer person or entity to make a great partnership. Like another amazing, like one of our flagship partnerships is with Delta Airlines. We were the first cold brew to be on a major U.S. carrier. We're on Delta's premium long-haul domestic flights uh, with our single-serve bottle of concentrate. So it's just a little two-ounce bottle. You mix it with water at your seat. Enjoy delicious cold brew at 38,000 feet. And Delta loved, from from day one, you know, they sought us out in part because we were a proudly, openly NGLCC certified business. And they only, I mean, not only, they, they wanted to work with us for a whole host of reasons, but I think it really was, it was very valuable that we were NGLCC certified and that we weren't just, uh, you know, that we were not, you know, we were queer owned and like had the, had really like put our money where our mouth was and like joined the organization, joined the Chamber of Commerce, like attend the events. Um, so I'm really grateful for the Delta partnership um, that I've, I've worked with queer employees at Delta, non-queer employees at Delta. And uh, it's it's a big part of it's one of the things that differentiates our brand. So I'm grateful for the partnership, even from a big business like Delta. Yeah, which is amazing. And there are, they do have it built in. I'm I'm going to a lot of these big events now, especially um, DEI work is working its way through and ESG and all all the acronyms that they have. And supplier chain is becoming a massive part of it because they have pressure from their tops of like, okay, we need to introduce this, how we're doing it. And they're coming through the supply chains of these small suppliers and they're going, oh, hey, there's all these great small suppliers, but the way that you're getting found is through the NGLCC, the CGLCC, these, these um, in Canada, we have CAMC, we have uh, the IWSCC, all these small business certification programs are helping these large organizations to get your business found. So if you're looking to get your business found or have access to be, you know, start getting into those supply chains, find and seek out what, you know, one of these certifications for yourself, and it would definitely help move your business forward. Now, I know your business is still quite young because you said in 2020 pandemic like that, all the success for such a young business is tremendous and amazing to see. But we're three years old. Yeah, there is clearly unexpected challenges that you faced along the way of establishing this. So what were some of those? And how did you overcome them? The biggest challenge we face as a business is I started Explorer as an e-commerce business because selling online has only gotten easier and less expensive to do. Well, it had in 2020, especially when we were all at home. Almost immediately after I started the business, uh, it got a lot more expensive to market online to customers. Uh, The digital advertising world has just crashed and burned. There are so many different uh, elements that contribute to that, whereas, you know, whether it was the Apple the Apple meta wars with, you know, Apple's privacy updates and iOS 14, et cetera, et cetera, um, or just more competition. Um, there's a lot of different reasons why it's gotten more expensive. That headwind has been really, really challenging because even though we have done a great job of, of pivoting to become an omni-channel business, we're in several hundred retail stores across the country right now. We sell in non-traditional channels like on Delta Airlines, uh, we have a food service business that is is sort of behind the scenes, but does really well. Even though we're omni-channel, it's it's still the uh, the fastest way to reach the widest breadth of customers. And for it to have gotten so expensive so quickly is a real challenge. Um, so I think my advice to uh, any entrepreneurs looking at the CPG industry right now is make sure your product is well suited for retail for grocery or, or whatever the, the retail is, because you can always, I, I think online, uh, online, you know, e-commerce is not going away. People still buy things online, but I would not advise viewing that as your primary, uh, primary sales channel. Think of it as an add-on and really make sure you've got that product market fit for retail. We each go through a lot of different iterations with our concentrate in order to position it for retail. So the challenge was, we've got this e-commerce business. How do we make it omni-channel? 
we've got a beautiful concentrate that is very concentrated, packs 20 to 25 servings in one 32-ounce bottle. You can see them behind me, my left shoulder. But will that work in retail? And I wanted to believe, yes, it will. Because you sort of you sort of have to delude yourself into thinking it's going to work. Because it's your baby and you're like, my it's, baby's the most beautiful. <laughs> it's the most beautiful. And I'm like, okay, this has to work. People will get it. They will understand that the reason it's priced at $40 a bottle is because it makes up to 25 cups. So it's under $2 a serving and it's organic and it's fair trade. And when you compare that to a Starbucks or or even the other, the other cold brews on the shelf, that's actually very reasonable. Turns out, People are very bad at mental math. In fact, I don't even know if they're doing the mental math. They just no. They just they see the 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 price tag and they they move on. So that was the challenge we first faced when pivoting to this omni-channel model, and it took a lot of courage. I would say I look back on this and I'm I'm really proud of the decision I made. We changed our one of our signature features, which was the level of concentration of the product. For retail, I bit the bullet and we changed it to a one-to-one ratio concentrate to match the other products on the shelf. So all of a sudden that sticker price came down to $14.99, makes 10 servings, t- 10 servings, $1.50 per serving. And more importantly, that sticker price was now in line with the other products on the shelf. And it was a brilliant, I mean, it was a necessary decision. I don't want to say it's brilliant because it was necessary. But it's the sort of uh, it, the sort of decision that feels like you're going back on the whole rationale for creating the product in the first place. Like the, the, the level of concentration I thought was so special. One of the things that made it really great. It's so versatile. You can add it into smoothies and cocktails, et cetera. I was like, this is one of the reasons why people buy our product instead of other products. But ultimately, I had to be pragmatic. And, and I'm glad we did. That's how we... We've gone from zero stores to 400 in just a couple months and a few more, a few hundred more before the end of the calendar year. But it, but it's so hard because if you have to educate your customers, they are not going to buy your product because people are just, we're habitual. So much of our day, so much of our business is just out of pure habit. And so if somebody's going to the grocery store, they're usually, I know exactly where everything I need is. I go to those spots, I grab those things and happen there's something next to it or a new product that's the same and has a different bottle or look or something. I might check it out, but I'm not going to switch, especially if it's a significantly higher price. Like I'm not even going to be looking at that because it's not part of my habit, not part of my system. The only way you can grab new people is like, that's a new grocery store or a new space. And they're thrown off again because our brains this is going into like, have you, you, I'm sure you've read James Clear's Atomic Habits. No. If you haven't, do it. Um, But it goes into like the habits of our brains and our brains are so lazy that we just want to do the easiest thing possible. And so we get into those routines and habits so that our brain doesn't actually have to continue think. And that's our brain is constantly being like, I don't want to think I'm just going to do the easy thing that I'm used to doing, which is why so many people get stuck in what they're doing all the time. But to break those habits. I wish we'd had this conversation a year and a half ago. Maybe I could have. (laughs) Give me a shout. I got lots of business stuff up in here. But to be able to break that is so difficult. So I'm glad that you did change that. Because also in grocery, I have a friend uh, who does, she does Nona Vegan. She's amazing in Kaylee. And it's a a beautiful vegan brand, uh, vegan sauces. uh, I believe cashew don't quote me on that but a lot of sauces for people who are like gluten-free and and so many allergies she can enjoy it and it came out of this her and her mom you know making italian meals when she was younger and her mom passed away so it's an ode to her mom amazing brand but her in the grocery industry is so difficult because like the the margins are so small that like you really have to be so dialed in to make it work and then to get into the stores and to do all of that. So I can only imagine that that journey was a whole journey. Well, and it, I would view it as an ongoing journey. Uh, we are, I think the hardest part in grocery is the beginning. It's when the odds are most stacked against you. And it's, it's even, it's been an eye opener for me, honestly, the way I think even unintentionally because the distributors and, and grocery chains have in theory, gotten more receptive and encouraging of emerging brands like ours to enter their, to get on their shelves. However, 
they have not gone far enough to make it actually sustainable. I mean, I don't want, I don't want to be too negative about, you know, I'm really grateful for the partnerships we have. We're, you know, we, we have an amazing partnership with one of the big distributors and I, I'm very, I'm happy about a lot of things, but there's one thing I'll say, which is we have sold hundreds of thousands of products and grocery in the last few months, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I have so far to date gotten zero dollars in our checking account from all those sales over the last like five months, zero dollars. That, I don't even know if the distributors realize how challenging that is for a business to, business to manage our cash conversions. Like that, yeah, it's, it's crazy. And there's so much more that needs to be done to make it actually like a, a breeding ground for amazing, innovative, emerging brands. This is a whole conversation that we are not going to have today because we could go on for hours, but inflation in combination with the fact that groceries, at least here in Canada, are making record-breaking sales and that you're not making money from this. I just want to find out where the broken pieces are, sue them all so that it can all get back to normal. But we're going to put that conversation off to the side because that will go down a whole rabbit hole on that. Let's switch gears a little bit. I know that your company has a very unique approach to crafting its beverages. And so mm -hmm. I want to know what's the most adventurous or like outside of the box ingredients you've experimented with. And did any of them actually make it into the final product? So, okay. So our most ambitious beverage, in my opinion, was uh, a decaf or a caffeine free chai tea. Uh, Chai is a comp. I mean, yeah, I, I, I love, I've always loved chai. I mean, chai is, the, the, you know, there's obviously masala chai from India. There's a whole world, literally a whole world of different chai traditions uh, with different nuances, but a, a spiced chai, I think is just one of the most amazing beverages. And I thought, you know what? I don't think that the bottled chai options that I see available are good enough. So naturally, I set out to create an explore chai line. Uh, I wanted to do a dirty chai, which has our coffee in it uh, instead of an yeah, espresso shot. Yeah, a little dirty chai. Amazing, called the Alchemist. A classic spiced chai, the magician. We have that. But I also wanted a caffeine-free chai, knowing that there we have these customers who are very sensitive to caffeine. And I'm chai is complicated. I can't drink chai, coffee. <laughs> Well, okay, so then, yeah, like, well, yeah, decaf, but that's why I like decaf. That's why I love this conversation. Exactly. Yeah. So, I, and this, it, we called it the idealist, and it's a mix of a dozen spices. And instead of black tea as the base, which has some caffeine, we decided to use my personal caffeine-free favorite, chamomile. This does not maybe sound particularly complicated on it on face value. Um, however, turns out chamomile, chamomile flowers, when in the like brewing bottling process, are like a sponge. A sponge for bacteria. And we struggled so hard. Obviously, food safety is the most important thing. And we test all of our products very extensively. And we Every single time we tried to create this product, ran into uh, like bacteria issues. Yeah. And I would never have guessed that chamomile, this beautiful chamomile flower, beautiful chamomile flavor would be so difficult to work with. And I'm disappointed because this ideal, the idealist, this amazing caffeine free spiced chai concentrate, when I did, I mean, what I did taste was amazing. We just couldn't get it to be to be safe. Um, yeah. And we even like, I, I, we thought we'd nailed it. Like we had a, a moment where we were like, okay, like this is good. And then uh, we did a full production run, a full production run cost tens of thousands of dollars. And then the test came back and it had, uh, it was contaminated. So all of that product had to be discarded. Um, so we're still working on it. <laughs> I'm experimenting with other, with other things. Um, we're, we're now working on a, instead of using chamomile, we're using honeybush, which is really nice, actually. 
Um, so it's not the most wild ingredient per se, but I think it, it's one of those uh, learnings where you go in and you're like, oh, this this should be pretty straightforward. And then, you know, it turns out it's not. Or like another one like that was we had a, a beautiful turmeric concentrate, uh, the healer, a beautiful turmeric, uh, like tea concentrate. And our entire bottling facility was orange because of the turmeric. Like everything. It was hilarious. It was like Willy Wonka factory. Like everything was orange. Um, it's just, there's so many like crazy mini adventures that you go on. Oh my goodness. Uh, I'd say well, that's, that's the wildest. Okay. Well, I can see that because well, I'm a nerd. So I do my own like fermenting and stuff like that. So like bacteria okay. and growth and all that I'm very familiar with. And I'm a tea person. Like I have probably 50 teas from David's tea in my cupboard at any given nice. minute. And so chamomile, naturally, yeah, there's flowers in that. I instantly, I would know, oh, the bacteria would be very difficult to work with that overall. Um, so yeah, when you say that, I was like, oh yeah, that's going to be dangerous. Yeah. Other, or you're just brewing alcohol for people because the fermentation <laughs> yeah. of it, the like all of it, you know, and that you don't want to go down that road and be like, here's your alcoholic no. tea. Um, that's so wild. So would you say one of those moments was kind of like when, when it was so challenging, did you have that, like, I'm questioning everything in life right now moment? No, I had a different moment. Oh, this is like a painful memory. Even now, two years later, my true, like lowest, I've had a, mm, I've had a few low moments. Uh, <laughs> I go to therapy twice a week now. <laughs> Good for you. We yeah. should. As entrepreneurs, I literally just posted a video today from one of my previous episodes that just came out today and it was saying mental health is one of the biggest parts of being an entrepreneur that entrepreneurs don't yeah. talk about oh yeah I mean I I was asked for a from a publication to like recommend <laughs> recommend like holiday gifts for an entrepreneur and I was like can I recommend therapy or Prozac <laughs> like um truly transformative for me personally uh, for my life for um, my uh, certainly as an entrepreneur I think like therapy and, and like I'm very open about like I, I take Prozac I think it's been amazing medication isn't the solution for everyone but I can say for me it's been really life-changing um and so just putting that out there in case anyone is listening and thinking about it like that you know that it not you know different things work for everyone but my lowest moment was pretty early on it was in our first year of business we were selling really well online but i was trying to experiment with new ways to acquire customers in an affordable way and i thought oh we've got this amazing product surely people just need to try it so why don't we do a free trial we'll do a free trial of our of our starter pack box of of four mini bottles so that people can try it and hopefully that will encourage them you know, to then actually purchase from us. And I, I launched the free trial, sent it out to our blast out to our email list. Um, and, nothing, you know, a few, some orders come in. I'm like, okay, yeah. And then I go to dinner with my, uh, with my husband and, and my phone keeps buzzing. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. We're getting hundreds of orders. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is that moment. This is the moment that like I've been dreaming of when like finally people are catching on and they're trying, they're trying the project, et cetera. And I, you know, as someone who really likes interacting with, with, with my customers, I, I, I emailed a few of the, the new customers saying, thank you so much for the order. Like, how did you hear about us? And the answers were sort of oddly vague. It wasn't like, Oh, my friend, uh, Callan told me to, to order this. It was sort of like, Oh, it was mentioned somewhere. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then a few people said, and then someone mentioned like a Facebook group. And long story short, turns out that it had been blasted out on a bunch of like freebie Facebook group, Telegram groups, etc. And these folks, you could just read in the comments. I mean, some of them literally were saying, "Oh, I don't even drink coffee, but free is free." And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so disappointing. Like if even they had said like, oh, this is amazing. I love coffee. I can't wait to try this. Like I would have a different reaction, but it was so clear that these people were just, they were just deal hunters and there's nothing wrong with getting a good deal, but I did feel 
I, I honestly like I felt a little betrayed because I think I don't I don't think any of them appreciated that like at that point in time I was bootstrapping my business completely oh. bootstrapping it and this was like depleting all of my inventory which was a risk I was willing to take thinking that these customers would come back I think that I could count on one hand how many of those hundreds of customers ever purchased again and yeah. but did like because as soon as you start talking i was like my brain i'm more of a logistical analytical minded person so my brain instantly went to okay well what baked in limits did you bake in like the first hundred people the first 200 people like there has to logistically be a stop gate so that you can protect yourself as the business i'm yeah. guessing you didn't do that <laughs> well no i didn't but i i was i mean even now i I mean, I get notifications every time I get an order. <laughs> so that I certainly was then. So I stopped it at uh, several hundred, three or 400 orders. It, so that it was less the like, it's not like I went from zero to 10,000 orders and I couldn't fulfill it or something like that. It was more the emotional high and low. Like I was on such a high for um, an hour or two and then when I realized what was happening and I did track it. I, I mean, I still held out a little bit of hope, like, Oh, maybe these people will end up repurchasing and, or and giving look, it to even, friends and family who maybe liked it. They're like, Oh, I don't like this, but you might like it. And they actually like it. Then they go and look you up. Like it's, it's hard to track those obscure numbers of like, Oh, I gift regifted it or I gave it to my like sibling or husband or whoever and then those people then come around and later on are like oh i really like this i'm actually gonna buy this now like it's so hard to actually get those numbers and to see that part of it it is but we do have a post-purchase survey and i can tell you that it i do not have any data points now that suggest that it was uh lucrative however one of the lessons that i learned was that people need to have a little bit of, of skin in the game, so to speak. And so we have done free trial promotions subsequently that charge a small shipping fee, like between $4.99 and $9.99, depending on what it is. And that has had a better ROI. Yeah. But the when it's completely free, you get too many people who just have absolutely no intention of repurchasing. If you put even a couple dollars on the line, you get a much uh, higher interest customer uh, yeah. than you, you would otherwise. It's like marketing online. Like, yeah, it's like marketing online. If, even if you have like a product that you just want to use as like a, an email generation, it even if you charge them a dollar or two dollars or something very minimal, you're going to cut out all the freebie seekers and the people who are genuinely interested in you. And if they bought from you once, that is more likely to lead to a transaction later on down the road because you know they're willing to get out their credit card to put it in. And especially if they liked your stuff and you over deliver in that one dollar two dollar thing then they're more likely to be like well this was amazing and it was so cheap then i'm willing to buy this next product at the 50 dollar mark the 200 dollar mark etc kind of a thing exactly um all right so building this amazing brand and this great product obviously is fantastic how have you also built in like the audience and kind of your community and connected all that together because i know that that is a huge piece and you talked about the mamas from earlier so there must be a community piece what have you found resonates the best with your customers oh so this is this is a topic that uh i wrestle with a lot because i would say that my experience with explorer over the last three years offers hopefully helpful insights on uh good and bad things and on this community audience customer uh, question because i think number one so I have a few different things number one i think i set out naively trying to capture too many different people in our orbit we were doing the caffeine levels but also we're a queer owned brand that was visibly vocally queer owned also we were giving back also we were doing sustainability in a way that like we're trying to basically be the leading option on so many different dimensions. And I thought, well, of course we should. I mean, both because it's the right thing to do. And it's, you know, some of these things like being a vocally 
visibly queer owned brand is a no brainer, just like sustainability to me is a no brainer. But even, you know, we, we talked about the, the limitations of someone buying in the grocery store and how they only have mental capacity or awareness for like one thing. Like when they pick up, if, if they pick up your bottle, you've got like two seconds to communicate one thing, not two things, not three things, one thing. In our case, if they pick up the bottle, the one thing I want them to see is the caffeine levels or caffeine level. Because that, I like based on our customer research, that is the unique differentiator for our product. Anyway, even with a broader audience, even with e-commerce where you can, in theory, communicate more, there's a similar phenomenon with audiences where if you go too broad, you actually don't end up really going deep on, on any of those communities. And so I'd say like, <laughs> I would not describe our audience community building as one of the strong points of our business. I think it's, it's something where I've learned a lot, but if I were to do it over again, I would do it differently. For example, I mentioned the, our, 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 our moms, our decaf customers in theory, if I were to go back, the best approach would be to just do decaf, to be solely decaf, to make it very clear, to cultivate that specific audience with a brand directly appealing to that audience. Now, I only drink our decaf a couple times a week. I drink our other caffeine levels more. So selfishly, honestly, selfishly, I made the decision to have a range of caffeine level offerings. That, you know, I, I stand by that. It's my choice, but from a pure business standpoint, cultivating that that narrower but deeper audience would have probably been the more prudent business decision. Um, yeah. So in terms of what we do from community building, we we did we have our beautiful new branding. We, we actually rebranded this year. So that this the new branding has only been in place since March of this year, and we're trying to build. Uh, we're trying to to sort of have the common theme across all this. To, uh, about all the different dimensions to be about uh, having that top shelf cold brew that will elevate your day, that top shelf coffee or chai ritual and using that to combine the different dimensions uh, that I mentioned, the, the giving back, how we give back with every purchase to charity water, to LGBT causes, how we are always trying to maximize our sustainability efforts and always trying to improve whether it's offsetting our shipping emissions even brewing and bottling in the concentrated format itself is a sustainable choice, uh, et cetera. Or whether it's our the organic fair trade nature of our beans, that premium offering inside the bottle um, and more. So that's my current, uh, that's our current approach. But I would say that um, if I were giving advice, <laughs> I would say uh, if you're looking at starting a business or looking at building an audience, there's a lot of, there are many benefits to going narrower. Um, even if you want to, if you want everyone to listen or to watch or to buy, maybe think, think twice about it. If you're for everyone, you're for no one. I always say yeah. that. And, and, oh, I'm going to get canceled for this. Um, uh -oh. our community, I love the whole community, the 2SLGBTQIA plus community, the alphabet soup, the alphabet mafia, whatever you want to call it. I love everybody. I've worked for with everybody. I've supported everybody. But I believe we need to clean our own gardens up first, our own front yards up before we can go over to our neighbors and help them. Because if our own shit's not in order, you can't help somebody else. I think of it as you have to fill your own cup so much that the overflow gets to go to other people. But if you're giving the dregs away, there's nothing helping to fill you up. And it's just like, if you have a lot more money, you can do a lot more good with that money and you can choose what you do with that money. So if you're struggling and you have no money and you're trying to volunteer and do all these good things to help the world, yes, it could be selfish to then pull back and go, no, I'm just going to make a shit ton of money for myself. But then in turn, you can actually end up doing a lot more good later on because you have a lot more money to give and a lot more time to give to people. And so in our community, I always focus on doing one thing really well and kind of stick to your lane 
And when you have the means and capabilities, then you can kind of branch out. Um, the podcast I had before, Gay Men Going Deeper, it was gay men. We are trans inclusive, but it was very much gay men oriented. And I think that that's why it's had so much success is because we've stayed in our lane and we've not tried to spread things out. People have been like, well, why don't you do this? It's like, well, because we need to help our lane first. And then once we get to that kind of critical mass and we have the means, that's when an organization looks out and goes, okay, where can we make the biggest impact and help the most? And that's when people grow, but people are so impatient and they think you need to do it their way because they always, everybody always thinks that their way is the right way. And it's the only way because people are just emotional beings. They're not rational, logical minded. And that's why also a lot of people fail at business is because they're not willing to do the five, 10, 15 year journey and actually keep pace and just focus on keep going. They want instantaneous right now. They want to have it. They want to do the thing. They want things to change right now. And it's like, that's not how the world works. That's not how life works. That's not how this economic recession is working. It takes years to go through all of this. Um, so that's what I'm going to say about that. I hope I don't get canceled. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that what you're saying is very reasonable. And it's, yeah, I, I think it's very reasonable. And I think on a, from a business standpoint, I'm, it's one of the reasons why I'm actually very excited for my friend Spencer and, and Gaywater, because I love that he is, he's so explicitly targeting our LGBT need. Well, I mean, hopefully people beyond that are buying, but, but he's, he's being so upfront about it. He's, he's making that one of the reasons why. And I really hope I mentioned before, like, I hope that our community can stand behind that like why shouldn't it be a reason to purchase a, a brand like it should be something that we're looking for we should be supporting other queer owned and operated businesses if we have the if there if there's an option i mean all else being equal like what that should be a, a big a big reason to buy something i think i i hear you and i'm like it's that double-edged sword of like i hear you i see you i want that and i think it's because we go to therapy um but <laughs> there's a lot of people who just don't want somebody else to have success or have something because they don't have it and our community has a lot of that history of just how we grew up and the world and us that there's a lot of anger in there and that gets projected mm. outwards um but it's a very fickle and funny community but if you hit it right and you do it right and I feel like you are doing it right then things definitely can grow in your direction so I definitely you got to hook me up with Spencer I definitely got to have them on the show yeah talk about oh, definitely talk about gay water um all right every entrepreneur has their secret weapon their kind of go-to ritual for staying energized I'm gonna assume yours has to do something with coffee uh, yeah. <laughs> well yeah is it is it a cop out to say that it is my explorer cult brew um I mean that that is what it is really like I mean I've already had two cups of explorer today um and it's it's only you know it's early afternoon so I'm sure there'll be an afternoon one as well um uh, but beyond that I, I think like it's it's broadly so that's my that's my answer but i have a second answer which is i stay energized by making sure i have a i put myself my own health physical mental health first as an entrepreneur it can be very hard to become comfortable carving out time for yourself whether that's time relaxing by yourself or with your partner or loved ones whoever that may be whether it's exercising every day whether it's going to therapy and making sure you have mental, the mental health support and resources you need. That's, uh, there was a time, especially early on when I felt guilty. I felt guilty if at night, you know, even if my favorite band was, was coming into town and playing on a Tuesday night, I was like, I, I just can't, I can't go to that. Like I have to be working all day, all night, every night. And that is not a healthy mindset, certainly not a healthy long-term mindset, but even in the medium term, like it, make sure you will be best off uh, most energized, most excited about building and growing your business. If you feel healthy, uh, energized, focused, motivated, and that comes when you're also carving out time uh, for yourself. Yeah, that is a huge part of being an entrepreneur. And I'm so glad that you brought that up. And I'm so glad that you said that because so many times people are just hustling. They're not hustling for their business. They're hustling for their worthiness and they're yeah. hustling for oh, their definitely. value. It's not about oh, it's oh, my like business. feeling of guilt. Yeah, it's like, like I'm if I, not if good I don't enough. do this, yeah, if I don't do this, I'm not good. If I can't do this, I'm not good enough. And you know what? There are, there's so many setbacks 
when you're a small business owner, when you're an entrepreneur, when you're founding or starting a business, there's so many setbacks that it's so easy to be down on yourself. And the, you know, it's the only thing you can control is working more. You think, oh, if I just work more hours, I can redeem myself for that setback. And that's not the answer. It's an illusion. The only thing you truly can control is your thoughts and the way you think about the things. So things happen to all of us all of the time. We have no control over other people. All we can control is our emotions, our thoughts, and our feelings as to what we feel about the things that we are experiencing. So if you are feeling and thinking that you're not good enough because of X, Y, Z, that you're choosing to have that thought, but those things can still happen regardless if you thought that way, or if you were like, I'm still the bomb.com, but this just happened because that's what happens in the world. Shit happens. And as long as you commit to the, if you commit to the journey and commit to what you are doing and you truly believe in it, just keep walking in the same direction. I take evenings and weekends off, go to therapy. I make sure I take care of myself because I know the fastest way for your business to fail is to burn out. And that is hustling for your worthiness and not going and seeing your favorite band, not going and doing enjoyable things because you're missing literally the journey, which is the whole purpose of it. There's no finish line. The finish line is when you die. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, which is hopefully a long time from now. No, and 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 everyone is different. So experimenting and finding what works for you. Like for me, I actually would rather work every single day of the week, seven days a week and have the flexibility to work what would be like a half day. You know, it, I would rather, I get more work done on Saturdays and Sundays because I'm not being inundated with emails on those days that like that I've discovered that actually works for me. That's not a punishment. I would rather have every afternoon and evening off to do whatever you know, or to let myself be disconnected and work more then because I'm more productive, more efficient. I enjoy it more. So experiment, find out what works for you, get ideas from other entrepreneurs. I think that's another thing is like, I have found such amazing friendships and support from other founders, other entrepreneurs, seek out those people and, and be vulnerable with them. That's, that's sort of just my default. I'm like a hard on my sleeve, open book, person and that's not everyone it can be really challenging but i have found so much mutually beneficial support in being open about not just what's going well but what's not going well yeah that's really definitely hugely important and connecting and doing those social network things like i'm a super introvert i love being at home working from home doing my thing But one of the biggest things that has helped the growth of my business is going and networking and not networking, networking, but like going and making new friends in the business realm. And the CGLCC hugely helped with that because it was no longer a bros, tech bros, la 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 kind of vibe. It was other people in my community that I felt safe with, comfortable with, and that I could talk openly with. So if you're looking for that, look up the NGLCC, look up the CGLCC, look up some sort of chamber of commerce where you're from. More often than not, they're going to be an amazing group of people that you can connect to. All right. Yeah. And find a friend, go with a friend. My first NGLCC event, I owe another one of my friends, my friend, Sam, who started a, a fitness app called Pride Fit. It's a great, great app. Highly recommend it. He and I were both a little nervous. That's that's a totally fair feeling. So we were like, let's go together to our first event, our first in-person event. We went. It was such a blast. And just that that one event now, I would feel comfortable going by myself. So find a friend. Yeah, exactly. You just you don't know what you don't know. And that's the fear that comes up. But then once you do it, you're like, oh, this is super easy. This has been an amazing, magical conversation. I am definitely going to be looking at getting the uh, chai because uh, obviously I'm going to have to try that out. Where can listeners find out more about you and Explore Cold Brew? So if they want to order something. So you can go to explorecoldbrew.com or Amazon, search Explore Cold Brew. And we are in an ever-growing number of retail locations in the United States. Uh, We are in a few hundred now. If you go to our website, explorecoldbrew.com, scroll to the bottom, there's a store locator. So I really appreciate people buying uh, in person. I also, if you are buying on Amazon, please leave a review. Uh, ideally a nice review. That's what said. Please leave a review. Amazon uh, reviews really matter. Um, and just uh, as of recently, you can now, if you're in Canada, you can buy uh, our products uh, on Amazon Canada. Uh, so yes. And if you have any Woo-hoo. issues, send me an email or DM me on Instagram because it's a very new thing. So hopefully we've worked out all the kinks. But yes, Amazon awesome. Canada, Amazon US, 
and and a bunch of other places. Amazing, magical. Thank you so much for being on the show today. This has been a very enlightening and uh, energetic conversation, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Likewise, thanks for having me, Kevin. Holy cannoli, what a jam-packed episode with Kaysen. That was absolutely phenomenal. If you want to get your hands on some cold brew, check out Explorer with an E-R. So explorecoldbrew.com. That link will be in the show notes for you. We also talked a lot about the NGLCC and the CGLCC. So you can check those out at nglcc.org and cglcc.ca if you want to find out about those Chamber of Commerce organizations. Organizations. They are phenomenal. I want to thank you again for tuning in today. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And if you really enjoyed today's episode, I would love a star rating. We all got to support each other, just like how I talked about in this episode. We got to lift each other up and giving me a star rating definitely helps tell the algorithm that this is a magical podcast. The Business Gay Podcast is written, produced, and edited by me, Callan Brecken. And if you're looking to get a free SEO website audit, you can head on over to callanbrecken.com forward slash audit and set one up with me or click the link in the show notes to do it for yourself. All right, that's it for today's episode. Peace, love, rainbows. Rainbows.